Welcome to Please Bet on Football Games. Welcome to another week of Please Bet on Football Games. I'm your host, Alex. You can find me at I underscore like underscore sports six. And this is the on-air talent, Joe. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing a lot better. Uh, recovered, recovering. Had facial surgery. Uh, spent a lot of time watching film over the last few days. Not a lot of doing anything the hell else. You can find me getting eviscerated by Dolphins and Patriots fans on Twitter at Joe A underscore NFL. And uh, yeah, uh, you can also find me on my Patreon, which is where I post my takes that get me eviscerated by fan bases with crappy quarterback. It sounds like a beautiful week for you. Uh, <laughs> facial surgery and then getting into Twitter fights with people. It's been sounds pleasant and relaxing. Ideal. Well, so for this week, we're getting into the C-plus quarterbacks, guys that still kind of suck, but you can probably play with them for a while. Yeah, you can, you can go... You can go to the playoffs. Hell, you can go to a Super Bowl with a C-plus quarterback. Probably not going to win. Probably not going to do it twice, but it can happen. Um, No spoilers. These guys are a lot like uh, Andy Dalton really epitomized these guys in the early 2010s. So like those 2010 Bengals teams with A.J. Green, Andy Dalton, they weren't they weren't great teams. They're 10-win teams like consistently. Andy Dalton wasn't a great quarterback. He made Pro Bowls as an alternate, but like not, not a real Pro Bowler. And he's good enough that you like you can win but he's bad enough that you kind of wish that you would stumble backwards into a better quarterback so yeah we got we got six guys today sort of we'll get into that want to talk All about right. some super mid quarterbacks yeah let's start so number one little a uh, little bit of a rookie there's some projection action happening but who what do you think of pittsburgh's kenny pickett yeah so we mentioned mitch trubisky earlier he's probably going to end up starting it sounds like but just in case a uh, quarterback starting quarterback 21 this year is going to be Kenny Pickett with a 2.1 GPA grade. And yeah, it's a ton of, it's a ton of projection. It's all we have is my draft evaluation of him. I didn't really like him, but I think that he's a 25 year old rookie, 24 year old rookie. Something like that. He's old. Yeah. He's dude's old. much older than you want. Yeah. He's not a young buck. So like, he's going to come in fairly polished. He started four or five years at Pitt. Like he's probably about what he's ever going to be right the hell now. And it's never going to be much. But high floor, non-existent ceiling. Well, no, extremely existent ceiling. Non-existent ceiling's Josh Allen. This is the opposite. Um, it has a very hard ceiling. It's it's very hard. It is made of good, solid materials, and it is not high off the ground. My short ass would probably bump my head. So the thing about Kenny Pickett is that there's nothing he's great at. There's nothing he's absolutely terrible at. His arm strength is not good. Um, I gave it a C, C plus. It's he throws with really good zip for his arm, though. Honestly his arm actions a lot like Tua or Colt McCoy um, in that like, no, he can't throw it more than 45 yards. He can't, not realistically. Down the field pass a lot of scrimmage, no. But he at least can, he can throw those 10 yard passes with enough velocity that he can like be effective. And yeah, he's, he's, he's another guy who's not super athletic, but he's a little bit of a playmaker in that he knows how to change arm angles. He knows how to extend plays. He's pretty good at navigating a pocket. He'll take his time. He's fairly aggressive, but man, this is all he's ever going to be. Frankly, this is right around where I had Mac Jones coming in last year. And frankly, 
after grading all of Mac Jones's plays from 2021. I'm starting to think that maybe Kenny Pickett belongs lower as well. Yeah, honestly, I was kind of surprised to see Kenny Pickett in the C-plus range because we haven't seen him play yet. And again, you've watched a lot more tape of him than I have. But what I've seen, I have not really been impressed by. He seems like a guy that just kind of got shoehorned into the first round because teams always need to take some quarterback. Um, But like you were saying, he he's not particularly special at anything. Like, he doesn't have an incredible arm. He's not crazy athletic. He's not, like, just an absolute savant with his accuracy. Yeah, he has decent zip. He's kind of just one of those jack-all-trades type guy that seems like he's going to end up being a backup relatively soon, and that might be his sweet spot. Oh, dude, but... I mean, like, I, I think a perfect comp for him is Colt McCoy. Like, I think that shit's one-to-one. Yeah, and I mean, that, that would not surprise me. Some athletic pop, limited, though, in their arm. Probably protects the ball pretty decently, but you're not doing anything with him. Like, he could come in for a couple games and float you to get you through the season. But yeah. there's not a, yeah, there's no, there's no upside. It could be worse if he starts turning the ball over. And frankly, we have four years of college tape on Kenny Pickett that suggests he should never touch an NFL football field. We have one year where he's pretty good and he could be a backup to a low end starter. But yeah, it's, it's a tough spot. Yeah, I typically start rookie quarterbacks out a little higher in my rankings just because I probably don't account enough for the learning curve that they're going to have to come into the NFL with. Like, I think Kenny Pickett on the at the end of the season will be about a 2.1 grade. But no, it would not surprise me at all if for the first half of a season of starting, he was like a 1.3. And he like got better as he figured things out. So this is not an exact science, especially with rookies. Um, For instance, I started Zach Wilson off last year as a 2.3. He's a 1.7 now. Like, I gotcha. I, I come in optimistic and I give them I give them the average or at least like the weighted average of their range of outcomes. So like, I think Kenny Pickett at his best could be a 2.3 quarterback, a consummate replacement level, like 17 through 19 ranked starting quarterback in the NFL. And I think at worst he can be like Tua. So that's like a one point, that, that is a, like a 1.7, 1.7 to 2.3 average is somewhere around two, 2.1. That's all I can do right now. I think he sucks. And I think that there's, if you're the worst of the C plus quarterbacks, you suck, but I'm not going to write him off as an active detriment until I see him be an active detriment. That's fair. Yeah, I, I I don't really expect a ton from him. I'm I'm sure he will get some chances though because he is playing behind Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, and, and like I want to be clear as well, like if, if Kenny Pickett is starting for an NFL football team in five years, I'll be fucking shocked. I had like a fourth round grade on it, but I think that there's a lot of backups who can be decent in spot duty. Like I think a 1.8 is about an average backup. I think he's a little better than an average backup. I think he'd be a solid backup. And you know, the the Chase Daniels of the world and the Drew Stantons and those longtime backup QBs are, are getting old, starting to retire. Someone's got to fill those roles. Yeah, it'll probably be Mac Jones and Kenny Pickett. Right, there, there's some prime candidates. Good cerebral quarterbacks don't have the arm strength. We're talking about white guys who started a lot in college, <laughs> or at least who started as old players in college. Listening, listening to a lot of coach speak. <laughs> Mediocre men who uh, who made themselves. And by made themselves, I mean went to lots of quarterback camps. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else to add about Kenny? No, let's talk about some people who actually should be starting in the NFL. Yeah, for the first time. For on. the first time, let's talk about actual deserved NFL starters. I know it's been a it's been a good two, two plus weeks to get us here, but here we are. So at number 20, Kyler Murray. What do we got? Yeah, Ky- Kyler Murray is one of the first quarterbacks that did a breakdown on this summer. And uh Kyler Murray is frustrating because your intuition, knowing what he can do and seeing his highlights, is 
that this guy's really exciting and there shouldn't be anything he can't in theory, right? Like we're talking about a guy with a cannon arm. Kyler Murray's tiny, but like he's got legitimate 60 yard range. He can flick that ball. He doesn't need to set his feet. It's all arm. It's not torque. It's legit arm power, right? And I would argue that he can run about as well as any quarterback. He's the quickest quarterback in the league. Easily the quickest. He, he would be one of the quickest slot receivers. Yeah. His ability to turn on a dime is crazy. Oh, it's stupid. And and he's a, he's got legitimate speed as well. He's like a 4'4", four, 4'5 four, four, guy speed-wise. So like we're talking about a legitimately excellent scat back type runner with cannon for an arm and he's he got a good deep ball and he's fairly accurate in jet like he's a fairly accurate passer he can put balls in tight windows so like if i tell you that's who you're getting you don't really care that he's five eight that's an awesome package and like yeah you'll deal with the fact that there's some limitations from being five eight but that's an awesome pack and then i tell you that he's got these sick highlights like the hail murray and several other kinds of bombs mostly to new copkins but the problem is the payoff isn't quite as sweet as the component. Like, it, it doesn't come together right. He's got, like, he's even got really good zip. And, like, typically, it, it's really hard to find a quarterback with great zip on the ball and, like, easy velocity who can drive the ball into tight windows. That sucks. It's really hard to find dudes like that. And Kyler Murray's one of the worst quarterbacks that has great zip. Because... Like, break, break it down more for me. Like, why? Why does he have great zip or why does he suck? Why does he suck despite having, like, because you kind of okay. just been going on about all these things he can do and positive. And I agree with you in that he should be in this area and he is incredibly athletic gift but like so, why can't he why doesn't it work i wanted to get out all of his strengths and like the tools okay. in his box first because like i don't want to be i'm not a hater i don't hate Kyler Murray. i don't wish ill upon him it's just i realize what he does well and i realize why people love him it's the highlights it's it's the idea of what he could be but okay first of all he is extremely short and while i typically don't care it limits him very practically dudes like tua can't hit intermediate routes because they don't have the arm strength Kyler Murray can't hit intermediate routes because he legitimately cannot see them. It is not a pop. There is no angle at which he can throw a ball with a velocity and it can get over his offensive line's heads and over the defensive line's hands and into a receiver's hand because he is too short. He, he needs 10 to 12 yard drops in his backfield just to throw a 10 yard pass. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cause he's got a, the trajectory won't work with him dropping passes in when he's got to fit it over those uh, big line. Exactly. So every pass has to either go deep downfield vertically so he can put arc on the ball, or it has to go directly lateral, like a screen or a quick hitter outside to the wide receivers so that he can avoid trying to throw over the line. Basically, if his throw is in the middle of the field, it has to be deep on a seam. And if it is to the second level, it has to be to the outside and he typically has to roll out or he has to get super deep in the pocket. When you get super deep in the pocket, that leads to easier sacks and frankly, just more difficult throws because you're further away and not being able to throw to the middle of the field is really a huge hindrance on an offense. So like, there's just things you can't do with him. And that's a big problem. There's only so many ways to draw plays where you're throwing a screen or a deep ball, right? Uh, additionally, he has a hard time like gauging his height sometimes, it seems. And he he just, he gets a lot of batted balls. Like I know it's a cliche and like, I don't actually believe that height is always indicative of batted balls, but Kyler Murray is such an extreme case that it is. Like people talk about like Baker Mayfield, small, Tua is small. Those dudes are six feet tall. Like Baker is six foot and a half inch. He's like almost 
a half foot taller than Kyler Murray, who we have it on very good authority is five foot eight. Like he yeah, stands that guy's definitely five. He's he's five nine at the absolute tallest. Yeah. Like when he has the big helmet on that's oversized, maybe he's five nine. But like he's 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 shorter than Hollywood Brown and Andy Isabella. And those guys are both five nine. This this quarterback is my side. You have the evidence. It's it's video evidence. I don't know if you remember, like right after he got drafted, and then all the fucking Twitter sleuths are like, no, see, he's actually standing slightly in front of Hollywood Brown, and that's why he looks shorter. But if he were to back up, he would look the same height. And it's like, dude, actually, I flipped that, but it doesn't fucking matter because it's like not that complicated. If you're standing next to a five nine guy and he looks like he's probably markedly taller than you, you're not five eleven. I just don't care. Yeah, Kyler's short. <laughs> yeah, Kyler's short too, but he's shorter than even we thought. <laughs> We've been lied to. Um, additionally, so aside from the fact that you just can't throw to certain areas of the field because of its height, Kyler is a see it, throw it type of dude. He does not anticipate people coming open. It's just not in his game. And he never had to do it at Oklahoma or Texas A&M. He certainly never had to do it in high school. And there's a way to make an offense that it doesn't matter because he is so fast and has such arm talent. But again, it's just more things he can't do that are kind of important for developing a well-rounded offense. So you can't throw to the middle of the field. You can't throw to the second level. You can't throw long developing plays because he can't anticipate. And he's not a very good reader of defenses after the snap. Like he doesn't react well. As much as as much of a playmaker as his skill set leads him to be, he's actually not great at improvising when the play breaks down. Like, yeah, he can run around and then throw deep. Hail Murray, that's sick. It's awesome. But what separates dudes like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen is that when they run around and they scramble, they have their eyes up, but they're also still reading the play. So they can still hit the 15-yard crosser. They can still hit the out route. They don't just have to hit the streak on an arm punt. Like, there's other shit they can do. So more things he can't do. Can't throw the middle field. Can't throw the second level. Can't throw long developing routes. And then you can't... He's got a great deep ball. Like, he's got a very good... I gave him a B-plus on deep accuracy. It's very good deep ball. But you can't make him sit in the pocket for too long because he is terrified to take a hit. He he is not... Yeah, he is not a Matt Stafford who's going to stand there, take the extra half second, get lit up in the back, and make the deep downfield throw. With good reason. I mean, like, if you lit up... If a defensive end lights up Kyler Murray on the blind side, yeah, there's a good... There's a really good chance Kyler Murray gets significantly injured. Really good chance he fumbles. Like, that could go bad. Um, So, you can't throw deep that often unless you have great protection because he'll get hit and he can't do that. You can't throw middle. You can't throw second level. You can't throw deep developing shit. Like, all of a sudden, you're left with screens, quick developing streaks, and gimmick play. And all of a sudden, you realize you have not much more than a guy like Tua provides you. So, even though he's got all the physical tools, he limits you in other ways that get you back to a limited offense. And that sucks. And then, finally... Um, this is kind of just the, this is, this is the case with everybody. Like most bad quarterbacks or most not good quarterbacks, it comes down to, they don't hit throws often enough, but Kyler misses, he's in a really easy offense to run. And he still misses way too many throws. Yeah, that's the thing that's always stuck out to me about him is that he can do everything. He's a little bit of like falling in love with the potential. But when it comes to it, he just misses so many of the gimmies. And like, and not even necessarily just the gimmies, but like the the 10 yard throws that require a little bit of anticipation, whatever, just something where he's got to be a little above average at the small stuff. And he just can't consistently do it. Every time I watch him play, it's like, wow, that was interesting 
incredible. And then the next play he comes up and it's like, dude, what are you doing? You, you saw it. You just can't, you just can't make the short, simple throw. And then he goes out and runs for 35 yards. So it, he's frustrating. Yeah. And it's like, it's like I said, like his accuracy is a B plus. He's an accurate quarterback. He can fit balls in tight windows if he can see them and if he can get a proper trajectory, mm-hmm. but his precision is a C because he'll just miss a swing pass. He's, he misses exactly. swing passes like by yards. Um, And they run a fairly conservative offense. He only has a positive play on 23.7% of his snaps. That's bottom half of the quarterback. I've graded 22 quarterbacks. That's bottom half of them. Like he is in the top uh, 40% when it comes to cheap play percentage. So like they're running a ton of screens. They're running a lot of quick hitters. The entire Cardinals offense is basically throw a screen to one of our tiny, very fast guys like Rondale Moore and Christian Kirk and maybe even Andy Isabella, God forbid. And if you're not doing that... Lob it up deep to AJ Green and New Hopkins because they'll get down there somewhere and they'll find any ball near them and they'll punch the defensive back in the face and they'll pants him and then they'll catch the ball. So like he, he limits your offense and he's not consistent in what he does, even though he's very talented and he's not a particularly explosive quarterback because they're they don't get positive plays out of him that often, despite the fact that he's got untapped potential to be extremely explosive and he fumbles quite a bit. He had nine fumbles on the year with one and a half percent of his dropbacks that's also very difficult to overcome and then finally I think the last knock I have on him is that like I mentioned earlier that he won't stand in the pocket take a hit and make a play but he also gets noticeably rattled when he does get hit like if you get a couple quarterback not even sacks just a couple quarterback knockdowns on him his accuracy goes to shit he was one of the Rams games he got hit by it was the the late season Rams game he gets hit by Von Miller not a sack just gets knocked down after the pass and then a couple plays later he gets knocked down by Leonard Floyd and then he proceeds to miss like seven straight passes just like complete no control just spraying balls and so like we've put together a picture of a quarterback that's he's flashy and he shows you all the things that you think you want it's just it doesn't pan out the way that it should he he feels like he should be a lot better than he is with all of his physical tools and like the successes that he had in college and high school like you think he should be better and he's just not turns the ball over afraid of contact can't hit certain areas of the field and then an extremely quarterback friendly offense he's just not consistent enough to make it work effectively like oh, yeah, I, that's a pretty good breakdown of him i think it, it shows all the things of why people fall in love with him and why he went number one overall i mean the, the cardinals shipped out josh rosen a year after p- taking him for this guy yep and he's had moments and they've had stretches where the cardinals have been really good but they just can't consistently do it and i think you pointed out a lot of why of he just doesn't have the that he's limited because of his physical stuff and when you can't do everything else perfectly it really starts to tank yeah and like i hear the criticisms about cliff kingsbury like i hear all of the oh cliff is only good in the first half of the season and then people figure him out or like the alternative hypothesis with the same facts is like oh kyler just gets hurt and then he stops playing well well i got a couple of pieces of evidence that kind of point away from that first of all early in the season kyler murray was getting mvp hype because the cardinals were not losing and his stats looked pretty decent but he was not performing well like he didn't need to do anything against tennessee they won that game before he even had to start throwing like week one that was just taylor lewan getting eaten alive by chandler jones and the game was over Uh -uh. it was yeah that's just fucking 
inexplicable. Week two against Miami, they won, but he played extremely average. I gave him a C plus. Week three against Jacksonville, it's Jacksonville, and I gave him a C C minus because he wasn't particular. Again, it was a lot of there was a lot of screens. It was a pickable. wasn't a lot of great plays. And then week four against LA, he was really good. Gave him a B plus. But then D against San Francisco, D against Cleveland with three fumbles and two pickables. Like that, that game was and, so out of hand too. Yeah. So the dude has a five turnover game or at least a five turnover worthy play game. And that's when people started saying maybe he should win MVP. So it was just because they were six and oh, it was purely a record thing. And uh, frankly, another piece of evidence that it was the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury that were doing a lot of the work and not Kyler is Kyler missed three games and Colt McCoy's old ass, who we just said should not be starting in the NFL. Their team was better with him. They went two and one. They scored more points. Like Colt McCoy is not good, but Colt McCoy will consistently hit screen passes and simple shit. Kyler Murray does not. If you want to operate this offense well, just do the simple shit consistently. Kenny Pickett would be really good in this offense. Like I would kill, I would absolutely kill to see a guy like Baker Mayfield in this offense, like running the simple shit, throwing deep occasionally when it's advantageous. Like this is the quarter, most quarterback passing friendly offense, I think outside of like Andy Reid. It, it's really, really, really quarterback friendly. It might not necessarily win you a ton of games, but it's friendly. And I think Kyler Murray would be a way better suited for, honestly, I think he would be ideal for what the Ravens wanted. Yeah. Like I, he this still is, gives them that big playability. So I'm that saying Lamar has been doing. So like, this is, this is why like, yeah, Lamar is a 1.7 in my grading because I think if you cut Lamar from the Ravens, like if the Ravens told Lamar tomorrow that his mama's dumb and he hates the Ravens forever because of it, I don't think there's another team out there where he can be an average quarterback because he needs that offense. He needs a very specific offense. He can't just drop back and pass. You put him on the Cardinals, Lamar's going to look like shit because he can't throw screens very well. Can't throw anything really well. Lamar needs to run first and everything else gets set up by his terrifying feet. But well, if you recall, when we broke down Lamar, Lamar has trouble throwing in the middle of the field as well because he doesn't put a lot of zip on the ball. He can, he just doesn't. So that's not his area of the field. And that offense opens up a lot of deep opportunities for Lamar, but he sucks at throwing the deep ball and misses him, right? Well, Kyler is a similar, probably a little worse, but similar runner to Lamar. But he, he throws a better deep ball. And they already don't target those areas of the field that Kyler can't really throw. So I think it would be a match made in heaven. It'll never happen. But in a just world, I think Kyler could be like unstoppable with that Ravens team. Wow. Oh, dude, it, it would be so sick. But we're not that blessed. Kyler ends up running around in Baltimore. Uh, yeah, it would be great. But the other thing is Kyler Murray is totally not going to last. So like when Kyler Murray's 30, he's going to be a shell of himself. Which means yeah, that our like, our runway for that to actually happen is like this year or next year, and it's not happening. Yeah, like Kyler doesn't have the uh, the longest clock on his career just because of how much he already gets hurt. Like Lamar does a great job of avoiding hits and uh, staying staying healthy, whereas Kyler has not done point where you already talking about he's always beat up by the end of the year. Well, even when he avoids hits really well, it's just it takes one. It takes one hit. He's it's like hitting a child. It's like hitting it's like hitting me. I'm a small man anything else you want to say about kyler uh cardinals shouldn't pay him that's it trade yeah, him for baker mayfield that. right now but they're not that smart so no also i don't know if uh cliff and baker have buried the hatchet from their tech days well baker's at some point gonna have to get along with somebody <laughs> or he might just uh, or he won't or he won't <laughs> he might just become a, a college football legend <laughs> that goes jeff, and rides off that well jeff george just pissed off at the world all right well let's go to our next guy who 
Who do we have at number 19? Number 19 is a guy that if you know me and follow me and have for a while, you you know that I love, but I don't really love. So I love Davis Mills, but I don't think that Davis Mills is great, if that makes sense. So like coming out last year, I had him tied with Zach Wilson as my quarterback too. Frankly, if I had to choose between the two, I would have gone Zach Wilson. So like, I guess he was my quarterback three. Um, That said, it said a lot more about the quarterback class that I thought was really weak in 2020, uh, more than it said about Davis Mills being special because he was totally unpolished, man. I mean, he had five starts in college. He has more NFL starts than college starts. And it showed and he was he was battling through knee injuries that like he had torn ACLs and stuff. He was wearing a brace. So he couldn't really move. His arm strength was a little bit limited from what it truly is. And I came away thinking Davis Mills has the potential to be legitimately very good. Davis Mills could also totally suck, but Davis Mills will probably be about average. And last year he kind of showed exactly that. He was fine. He uh so like the Texans are are shit, and it's really impossible to like actually get a gauge on what a dude can do when he's got no offensive line and no receivers and a terrible head coach who's addicted to punting. But like he didn't actively harm his team for the most part. And he even looked really good twice. And that's more than I can say about damn near any other rookie quarterback from last year. Quarterback very bad last year. So Davis Mills, by being average, was kind of great for them. And what were his good what were those two really good games? So against New England week five, he I gave him an A minus. He absolutely outplayed Mac Jones. And if it wasn't for a couple of really stupid punts by David Culley, who is addicted to punting. I'm fairly certain he's checked himself into a rehabilitation center for punting. I will um, never get over when he when they were playing the Browns last year. And this this clip has been passed around a lot since it's happened, like multiple different times. Uh, they took a timeout so that they could go for it on fourth and short. Or they accepted a penalty or something like that to go for it on fourth and short. And then they just ended up punting anyway. And they go to and there's a camera view of Kevin Stefanski on the sideline in like just utter disbelief that they they were punning. Yep. No, I remember that. David Culley ended up being what a lot of smart people thought Dan Campbell was going to be. And frankly, I think that the Texans knew exactly what they were getting into when they hired David Culley, a crappy wide receivers coach, to be a head coach. I, I, yeah. that shit was intentional. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. It seemed like they were just punting the year. I mean, he it could be argued he was the tank commander. He was, yes. He, they needed a captain for the Titanic. That's that's exactly what it was. Because this is one of the least talented rosters we've ever seen last year. They had Brandon Cooks, who's a good receiver, but that was it. Like they had, uh, who's the guy from Michigan? I want to say it's Tariq Black, but that's. That's the wrong Michigan wide receiver. Um, Nico Collins. It was Nico Collins, who is the exact same thing as Donovan Peoples-Jones, but a little worse, which means that he's a large, solid athlete who could one day become a wide receiver too, but it's not that yet. And this is what Davis Mills is working with. Add in an uncreative offense that loves running the ball and throwing checkdowns and punting and, and really emphasis on the punting. And like the dude never had a chance and that sucks. But against New England, he showed out. He was so accurate. He was accurate on 84.6% of his path. Like, and like, yeah, he he didn't win the game and they didn't score a lot of points, but he had 29.4% positive plays. He had 17% negative plays. He had an elite throw. He had three great throws. He had five solids. He had four negative throws. He's the only reason that the Texans existed in that game. And frankly, they should have won it, if not for some stupid coaching. Uh, and then week 18 against Tennessee, Tennessee was still playing. They still wanted to win so they could get the, the one seed and get the bye. Um, I know because I had money on Tennessee in that game and I won it, but it wasn't comfortable. Never is with Tennessee. No. M- Mike Vrabel 
exists to torture us. But uh, this was a B-plus game. It was solid. It wasn't great. He, he wasn't wowing anybody. He wasn't holding them in the game. But it was fairly clean. He had a high percentage of positive plays, high percentage of negative plays. He was incredible. Towards the end of the, at the beginning of the season, he was kind of a statue in the pocket. Like, he was exactly what you'd expect from a tall white guy with a long neck. But towards the end of the season, when he got comfortable, the dude loves getting out of the pocket. He loves to roll out. He loves to move. He can move a little bit. He's got, like, Andrew Luck-style athleticism. It was good. He, on the year, his average his average performance grade was a 2.13, which is almost exactly in line with what his actual grade was on the season, which was a 2.2. He is a solid middle-tier quarterback with room to grow. So what what is the room to grow, at least this year? Because the Texans are better, but Lovey Smith is the coach. They're still a yeah. bad team. Is he going to Lo- be kind of screwed again? Yeah, 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 he'll be screwed. But I think that this year, so last year, it was almost impossible to find any examples of him having a chance at putting something together, right? Like, he was just so fucked. This year, I think that he'll be, like, kind of fucked, but the offensive line should be better. They added uh, Kenyon Green, guard out of Texas A&M. He'll start, you know, pair him with Max Schraping. Like, you'll be okay on the interior. The tackles will be a little rougher, especially with that, you know, but you still got Laramie Tunzel. They'll figure it out. <laughs> Still got Brandon Cooks. Nico Collins is a year older. They will find a way to do a little bit more. And I'm just hoping that we'll be able to see Davis Mills not even shine because I don't think he's going to be a star, but like we'll be able to see more of what he truly is. He's still young. He's going to be 23. He's got a strong arm. He's a big kid. He's got like I gave him a B plus arm strength. It's good. It's solid. Like he can make every throw. He can't make the amazing throws, but he can make every throw. He's solid mobility. He needs to work on his accuracy, but his processing is pretty good. He's got a nice deep ball. There's not a ton to say about him just because there wasn't much to work with in the first place. You know what I'm saying? I gotcha. So this is a guy that you think has a lot of room to grow or not necessarily a lot of room to grow, but he has room to grow and is already a, a decent player. Yeah. Like he has good physical tools and the worry about him coming out of Stanford was that there's a legitimate chance this guy cannot hack it mentally, right? Like there's a legitimate chance that he just doesn't figure out what he's doing because he made a lot of bonehead mistakes in college but it seems that like the boneheaded mistakes are kind of gone he threw 12 pickable balls last year that's 3.3 percent of his dropbacks it's not good but it's not awful it's pretty average so it looks like maybe he can be average in terms of decision making how much do you think that really limited offense played into him not having as many turnover worthy plays because if you're throwing a lot of just like check down short routes they're not giving you much freedom i imagine your turnover plays are going to be low this is true and his cheap plays were pretty high but i I would say that on the plays where they gave him more explosive looks, he did not squander them. He uh, he 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 showed out when they allowed him to throw downfield. And frankly, I think it's expected that a guy who has five college starts and like seven NFL starts, uh, more than seven, sorry, he's got three, six, nine, twelve. Got twelve. He's got almost he's got almost three times as many NFL starts as college starts. So it makes sense that his processing is improving. And frankly, I think it should only go up. Let's not forget the guy did go to Stanford and like. They they don't churn out dummies. I don't. I don't know if that really gives us all that much because we have spent spent pe- plenty of time talking about how this is true. This is true. He Justin could be Ryan Fields, Fitzpatrick. Ryan he could Fitzpatrick. be Ryan Fitzpatrick. But like he, okay. Part of the reason that I started looking at him in the first place when he was in college is because he was the number one ranked quarterback recruit coming out of high school, and all people talked about in his scouting reports out of high school is raving about how smart he is and how refined as a passer he was. So then I watch him in these five games at Stanford under just terrible 
coaching by David Shaw because he is really just the worst. He might be David Cully who just figured shit out earlier in life because he loves to punt too. <laughs> I hate David Shaw. I really do. But it strikes me that a guy who is known for his processing in high school goes to Stanford, starts five games because he can't stop tearing his knee. Has That kind of guy would have a hard time adjusting. That guy might make some dumb mistake because he's a baby. And there is a strong trend line as the season wore on. The more he played, the fewer turnover worthy plays he had. And okay, frankly, the boat's well. Yeah. And like you can see a very solid trend line. Like in his first five games, he had three D's, a C and the A minus. In his last five games, he had a B plus, a B, a C plus, a C, and a D plus. So like there is a strong correlation between amount of starts and how much better he's gotten. And I see great physical tools. So again, while I don't think, so this is the problem. I rave about him and I talk about how much upside he has and how I'm encouraged because even as it stands right now, he's just a solid quarterback. I don't think he's great. I think he's fine. And I think it's a safe bet that he's going to continue to be fine. And he might become better than that, but he would have to improve. Interesting. He's one that uh, a lot of the other guys in this list, we kind of know what they are. We have a lot of information on him a lot of years yeah he's one that is exciting because we don't have much on him when you said he played what 17 games that we can Total. actually watch like Total. since high school there are 17 games you can watch yeah that's crazy we have no information but he was pretty solid and like you said he was in i don't know about the worst situation because trevor lawrence Tre- had trevor a lawrence was start. in a terrible situation <laughs> um but he was in a really bad situation second worst of the rookies i would say and he was in my opinion the best of the rookies because he was very consistent and had some very good game yeah i haven't finished grading trevor lawrence yet and i suspect that his grade will be a lot higher than the perception but as it stands right now i don't think there's anything wrong with saying that davis mills was the best quarterback rookie last year i think that it's either trevor lawrence who I haven't studied yet or nobody. It certainly wasn't Mac Jones. It certainly wasn't Zach Wilson. Yeah. It certainly wasn't Justin the, Fields. The bar for best rookie quarterback last year is incredibly low. Yeah. Oh, um, another reason that I, I feel encouraged is just the mistakes that he was making at Stanford. They weren't even so much aggression mistakes and picks and such. It was more just inexplicable bullshit. Like he 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 got picked on a couple screens against Cal. Like he threw he threw a pick directly at a dropping linebacker against UCLA and hit the linebacker in the back the head like he just he does dumb dumb he did dumb dumb shit tells me he's panicking he doesn't really feel comfortable like true head scratching mistakes and i saw none of those with the text like yeah he threw picks like everybody does but like sometimes you get beat sometimes you miss and that's okay. He just, he didn't look like a fish out of water. And that was really encouraging. That's like, I, I think that his floor used to be like, this dude could be Byron Leftwich and that would be bad. I think now his floor is like, this guy could be, you know, like uh, David Carr. Like no matter what, he belongs in the NFL for 10 years. I don't know if he can be good, but he belongs. Fair enough. He'll be, he'll be one that's fun to watch throughout this season. Yeah. But... He's uh he's one of my guys too. So like, that's always nice to track. Definitely. Well, I think that wraps us up on number 19. Who do we have at number 18? We are now a Officially in the these dudes are like legitimate starters category. Um, yeah, th- this is where you get uh, get all the Twitter people fired up. Yeah, we're gonna start talking about some quarterbacks that people think are good. Um, and so let's uh let's set our own houses on fire. Let's let's really fucking step in it. Quarterback number eighteen is Joe Burrow. Ooh, this is where we uh, really start having some fun, huh? Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna catch some heat for this one, I think, and uh, I don't I don't fucking care because. <laughs> Uh, That's why we love you, Joe. Interacting with Tuanon has taught me something about myself. 
it's that I share something in common with the film. And that's that neither of us really give a fuck about your allegiances or your feelings or who's a cool guy. I, I just fucking care about football. And I don't hate the Bengals and I don't hate Joe Burrow. I really don't give a flying fuck about either of them. And I don't care how icy Joe Burrow is or how cool his pink sunglasses are. I kind of just care how he throws the football. And, and how is Joe, that? It's not great. It's not. Um, There are some things he does really well. And, and then there are some things he does really, really poorly. Is that too cryptic? Should should I dig in on it? What do, what, what do you want me to start with? What he does well, what he does, what he does poorly. Come on. Get, what do you want me to do? Let's start with what he does well. I feel like that's what we've been gassing guys up before we tear him down. Okay. So Joe Burrow is an accurate quarterback. He is. I can't take that away from him. He fits balls in fairly tight windows. He does it with pretty good precision. I give him an A- on accuracy. I give him a B plus on precision. These are good traits. Uh, he is a playmaker. He's totally unathletic and he doesn't really have a strong arm, but like he he's a guy who he gets it, you know? He's got that moxie. He's aggressive. He That it keeps, factor. Well, no, like it's a real thing. He keeps his head about him when the bullets are flying. Like, I unlike Kyler. I think he's super calm. Yeah, like like we mentioned earlier, Kyler gets pressured and he runs around and he'll run around like Roadrunner in the backfield in circles until he stops being chased and then he'll stop, take a breath, look at what's going on and heave the ball deep. Joe Burrow will run around very, very slowly and very clumsily, but the second somebody's open, he's throwing it. And yeah, a lot of the time it's a case of fuck it, Jamar's down there somewhere. And he loves just lobbing it up to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. But those are the kind of receiver that you can do that with to an extent. And he he generally understands like how the play is progressing even when he's not watching. He certainly is not afraid to take a hit to make a play. Yeah, and I can't knock him for using those strengths of his receiver. Like Totally. You know, it is a little annoying where you go, okay, well he just threw a jump ball. Is that really a nice play? But he is playing to the strength of his guy. Yes. And and so another thing is that, so like we, Joe Burrow has a weak arm. I gave him a C plus for arm strength, but unlike Mac Jones, who has a similarly weak arm or a Tua, who's got an even weaker arm or a Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow does not miss the layups. He hits those short passes. If Joe Burrow's throwing a screen, if Joe Burrow's throwing a dink or a dunk or a stick or a slant, Joe Burrow's going to hit it. And it's not very useful. Like you can hit pedestrian passes all day and you're not going to win football games. Like Jim Bob Cooter proved that with the Lions. You know, Adam Gase proved that with the Jets and the Dolphins. But Joe Burrow will not miss the game. A minus accuracy to the short. Like he is good at it. So he's got a lot of the uh, more intangible things, you know, the accuracy, the attitude, the consistency, and he doesn't make the easy shit harder on himself. I'll give him all those things. And and that shows up. Like his, uh, his accuracy percentage on the season was 74.68. That's pretty good. Now, he had a lot of cheap plays, like a whopping 44.5% of his completed pass or of his uh, dropbacks were pedestrian passes. Not great. Half of his plays were successfully cheap plays. That's not great. He didn't have a high positive percentage, uh, positive play percentage. Like it was a lot of dinks and dunks, but he hits them and that's valuable to an extent. You can, if you're good, if you're elite at hitting the dinks and dunks, like Tom Brady circa 2018, you can go real far just hitting dinks and dunks. You can't afford a mistake. And that's kind of where Joe Burrow gets into trouble because he makes a lot of mistakes, but you can move the ball that way. If you can move the ball, you can score. If you can score, you can win. Hell, play the Super Bowl. Well, that kind of gets me into the problem with Joe Burrow. And it sounds cheap, but hear me out. 
I I don't know if Joe Burrow grew up on a ranch or how else he would have got that horseshoe stuck in his ass, <laughs> but the man threw 30 interceptable balls and like half of them got picked. He also fumbled an additional five times, which means that there were 35 turnover worthy plays on 729 snaps, which means on 4.8% of his fucking dropbacks, Joe Burrow tried to turn the ball over. That is a ridiculous clip. That is almost as much as Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. That is more than Davis Mills or Mac Jones. That is that is that is more than Matt Stafford, who led the league in interceptions. He got lucky. He got really lucky. And even PFF, who loved him and gave him the highest PFF grade amongst quarterbacks last year, which is a farce. Even they admit, like, yeah, no, he threw a lot of pickable balls. They they gave him twenty four, I think twenty two, and. I went back in a Twitter thread in like February where I, I pointed out, like, I bet these are the ones where we disagree. A couple of them were called back for penalties. Um, like if there's a defensive pass interference on an underthrow, like the, the Joe Flacco special, typically I don't give the quarterback the benefit of the doubt on that one. And if I think that the defensive back should have been able to pick it, I give it to him. So like there, I try to grade as many plays as possible. If there was like a, a phantom holding call or um, a roughing the passer, there were three plays where Joe Burrow threw a pick, but there was a roughing the passer. So they came back. I count that shit. Joe Burrow still played the game. He still did a thing. That's predictable. Like, that's predictive rather. So, that's where he got a few extra picks compared to the PFF grade. But even they said that he tried to turn the ball over a ton. I don't think that luck is going to last. Additionally, like, the reason that everybody loves Jamar Chase, the reason that Jamar Chase won rookie offensive rookie of the year is because the dude turned bullshit into scoring play. Against the Titans in the playoffs, a poorly thrown screen. Like, a, a, a screen pass that should have been incomplete because it was a missed throw. Jamar Chase Chase reaches out, picks it off the ground, and then takes it 72 yards for a touchdown. Are you fucking kidding? That's a bad play by Joe Burrow. Did that against Baltimore, too. Did that shit against Baltimore. He had to play against the Packers, where, like, four seconds into the play, uh, Rasul Douglas just, like, kind of forgot he was playing football still, and Joe Burrow throws it up, and... Eric Stokes misses the ball. Russell Douglas watches the ball and it lands in Jamar Chase's hands behind the defenders and he just walks for a touchdown because the Packers defensive backs forgot to continue playing football. Like it literally went through a defender's hands to get to the receiver. Not a good play. That's a lucky play. The Bengals got really, really lucky last year on defense and on offense. I don't think that that luck continues. I don't think it's stable. I agree with you. I watched a good amount of Bengals games last year. I watched a good amount of Joe Burrow tape and he is accurate I I think he is the ultimate guy of having that it factor of guys like playing with him and he just has a sense of how the plays are unfolding but you're right in that he is a little limited I'm never impressed by his arm um, and his ability to get it downfield I think he's not terrible at it but it, he doesn't impress me um, but he wasn't like the greatest decision maker like he talked he had a ton of interceptable passes and while I do you know give him points for understanding the, the type of offense he's in and what his playmaker can do he did just lean on fuck it Jamar or T Higgins are down there somewhere and through so many just jump balls into the sideline where his guy wasn't open he didn't throw him open his guy just won the battle to get the ball so like yeah you give him points that he completed the pass but it wasn't as much something that he did as much as it was something that his receivers did for him so you know does that continue at the same rate maybe I don't think it will plus I think like 
you were talking about, a lot of the plays that didn't go negative, maybe should have, will correct. I think he's a solid quarterback. Um, I think he kind of sits in this range, maybe gets a little bit better as he understands offense, uh, understands his offense and NFL defense better. But yeah, he kind of gets through on his understanding of the game, but it's not even that impressive. I will say, yeah, like if we're talking about the mental aspect, we noted the turnovers already and that's bad. But something that people love, wait, let, let, let's take a step back and let's just do an autopsy on the narrative around Joe Burrow. Like the narrative is currently that he's like a top five quarterback, right? Yeah. Like already. The hype is, the hype is very up. I was listening to a podcast, a gambling podcast this morning, and one of the people, one of the experts on it, scoffed at the other guy because he he insisted Joe Burrow is so much better than Tom Brady that it's like not even close and and putting him in the same group is like laughable. So that guy's not an expert and we should be fading a lot of it. Take. But the point is that if it wasn't for a lucky playoff run in which the Bengals literally did not deserve to win a single game that they won, I bet on them to beat the Raiders in the wild card. But like they were a missed call and a five yard pass from losing that game in the final second. Derek Carr drove all the way down the field. And if it wasn't for the refs stealing a fucking play from him, they're at the fucking goal line. The only reason that the Bengals made it to round two is because they got lucky in the final seconds of round one. And the only reason they made it to round three is because Ryan Tannehill threw a pick on a fucking, a pick six on a screen pass. Jamar Chase took a poorly thrown screen 72 yards. And then Ryan Tannehill threw two more egregiously bad interceptions. Otherwise, he had a rough get, game. He, oh, it was the worst Ryan Tannehill game I've seen in years. And they still barely won that game. And then it took a historically bad collapse from Patrick Mahomes in the second half of the AFC championship game to go to the Super Patrick Mahomes, all he had to do was be, dude, all he had to do was be Tua Tugavailoa in the second half and they win that game. And he couldn't, he was worse. He also had a very, well, the first half, incredible. Oh, the first half, he was amazing. Yeah. And then he just went the complete polar opposite in the second half. Well, and, and even still, after an incredibly terrible second half of football, if all Patrick Mahomes had to do was not throw three consecutive interceptable balls in overtime. And then maybe the Chiefs still win. So like, it was extremely lucky that Joe Burrow wasn't bounced after the first round of the playoffs. And if Joe Burrow's bounced after the first round of the playoffs, is anybody calling him a top five quarterback? Hell the fuck no. You're talking about yeah. 10, top 10, top 15. He's in the same boat that Herbert is, right? Which is, you know, in that five to 10 range. Herbert I don't deserves even, it a little more, but. I don't even think, I don't, I don't even think he's there. I think that if, if Joe Burrow wins one playoff game, one, exactly one, and no more, nobody's calling him better than Burrow or Brady or Rodgers. Nobody's calling him better than Josh Allen or Mahomes. And all of a sudden he's no longer in the top five. Yeah. And I, so I think if he wins one game, he sits in that six to 10 range though, because yeah. I mean, hell, even after he tore his ACL and only played half the year, people were going crazy about. Yeah. And he, he had great PR coming into the league to begin. But the, the point is a couple of fluky games and a terrible Super Bowl performance led this guy from being a top 10-ish quarterback to a slam dunk top five quarterback. And that's bullshit. And we all should know it. And frankly, I think that he was overrated even before he became super over. Hence the 18 ranking. Yeah. I'm excited to see this season, how it plays out. I am too. So now that we've broken down like where this hype came from, I want to point out one more thing because a lot of his proponents will be like, dude, Joe Burrow just took arguably the worst offensive line in the NFL, which is not true. I watched Tua's tape last week. It was 
the Dolphins. They didn't know what they were doing. It was bad. But they say, you know, Joe Burrow took a, a terrible offensive line. He got sacked 70 times. He took him to the Super Bowl. He had him minutes away from winning the Super Bowl. So yeah, Joe Burrow did get sacked 70 times last year. I, I assign blame to sacks. Now, I don't assign blame extremely strictly. I can't quite tell you if the left guard was supposed to pull or if they were supposed to double team the nose or the three. I don't know. I do know, generally, quarterbacks can cause sacks. Look no further than Russell Wilson. Sometimes they hang on to it too long. Sometimes they run into pressure. Sometimes they step up when they should have bounced out. Sometimes they bounce out when they should have stepped up. Sometimes they literally just don't fucking see it coming and they get blindsided. Shit happens. Joe Burrow was the primary cause of 43 of his 70 sacks by far the most in the NFL. It's also good for the third highest percentage of dropbacks. So Lamar Jackson only got sacked 33 times that were his fault, but he had a lot less snaps. So it was six and a half percent. Joe Burrow on 5.9% of the time, if you take a snap and Joe Burrow is going to throw the ball, he's going to get sacked and it's going to be his fault. Nobody else. That's a lot. That is a lot. And that's, that's a problem because it was a big issue for them. Like his amount of sacks is what handicapped their offense a lot of situations. And if they're purely on him or, you know, a lot of them are purely on him, it doesn't get better with free agent signing. Exactly. So like people like to say like, oh, the Bengals rebuilt their offensive line. They're going to be better. And they did. And they will be a little bit. They won't be great. I don't love every move they made, but like Lyle, Lyle Collins is going to be a good tackle. So they're going to have nice, solid bookend tackles that are like B to B plus players. And that's, that's a huge improvement for Burrow. And their interior will be decent, but it doesn't matter. He's going to cause sack. He's going to hold on to the ball too long. He is going to miss rushers. He is going to run into pressure trying to be Superman. He's going to do that shit. That's what he does. If you can live with that, cool. But yeah. that's part of him. Yeah, because and it's why he's able to have those plays that he, you know, six seconds go by and then he completes something because he doesn't let play a lot of plays die, but he does create a lot of negative plays. It's that yeah. give and take. And, and, and I just think it's unsustainable because you've got a quarterback who puts the ball in harm's way a lot. And he got lucky last year, but I don't think it'll happen again. And the same quarterback, so puts the ball in harm's way, gives himself a lot of pressure, eats the sacks when he shouldn't. And he's not particularly explosive because, yeah, they had a lot of big plays, but they were mostly after the catch. They were mostly receivers mossing people, which is not all the quarterback. Now, you know, you throw a 40-yard arm punt because you know that you got T. Higgins and he's going to moss a 5-9 corner. Okay, yeah, you get points for that. But it's not quite the same as if you threw a dime. Like, you led the dude, you know, you hit him in the hands in stride. Like, it's not the same. I my comp for Joe Burrow coming out of college was that he was going to be Kirk Cousins with a hell of a lot of swagger. And I think that that's held up. And I think the swagger, Kirk Cousins, the swag, the swag means more than I think we thought, but it's still all he is. Or maybe even another really good uh, comparison I thought of is a swaggy version of the Chicago Bears, Josh McCown. That one year he had when he came in for Cutler and all he was doing is just throwing jump balls to Marshall and Jeffrey. That's literally all Joe Burrow's doing. And we saw exactly what happened to Josh McCown when he he tried to do that for a second consecutive year. It doesn't work the same. I don't think we quite need to put them in the same boat. Um, I I think Joe Burrow is definitely better than Josh McCown. You even say in that. Josh McCown's luckiest season. But do you remember the hype surrounding Josh McCown after that Bears season when the Bucks signed him and they thought they had their guy? I do remember that. Like people thought Josh McCown was a top ten quarterback for doing the same shit that Joe Burrow just rode to being perceived as a top ten quarterback, getting hot in the playoffs, and then a top five quarterback. Like yes, Joe Burrow's probably. A little better. He's probably significantly better, but the differences are not that stark. We've seen, we've done this before. 
more. We will continue yeah. to do it. I mean, it, I but... think that season for Josh McCown, though, was more of like a, a major outlier for him, though. It was. And not that I think Joe Burrow is going to have, you know, replicate you know, going to the Super Bowl every year. But I have more faith in him to have similar seasons and not have a steep drop off like McCown. If you are a GM of a team and Joe Burrow is your quarterback, how do you feel about replacing it? I mean, I think it, it goes to the, the issue Bengals have had for the last 15 years of we have a decent quarterback, but not a great one. I think Burrow's ceiling is a little higher than Dalton, but not, I don't think it's a crazy difference. Um, so it's the same thing. Like, yeah, we're going to be, we can be good, but we'll never be elite. Yeah. Is that good enough for us? Most teams say yes. Yeah, most teams are pretty easy to please. But if, if you complete the short passes and they can count on you, you're going to be a quarterback forever. I mean, shit, look at Dak. I mean, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. There are a lot of guys that they're not actually that special, but they complete passes. They're relatively smart and calm, and they're a guy that the team likes. So they stick around. Yeah, I, I just struggle. Like, like, again, it's a dude who puts the ball in harm's way. He eats sack. He has a weak arm. He's 25 years old already. So, like, he's pretty much what he's going to be. He's not going to improve much. It's tough to hitch your fucking wagon to that guy and be like, oh, he's going to be the dude. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I wouldn't be thrilled with it. Yeah, no, I know. I know I know what you mean. I'm just, I'm painting a picture because a lot of people are going to be like, how could you not want the quarterback who just took the Bengals of all teams to the Super Bowl? Well, here's why. Yeah, this is the issue of us agreeing on a lot of these guys um, because, yeah, most people think that this is insane and that Joe Burrow is undoubtedly a top eight guy. Yeah, and people used to ask if Joe Flacco was a Very true. For the exact same fucking reasons, except Joe, Bur- or Joe Flacco was actually good in that playoff run. It was an anomaly, but he was actually good. Joe Burrow was not actually good. He just existed in lucky scenarios. Like, okay, last year, guess how many games I graded of Joe Burrows where he had over a C grade. So more than a C. He had 21 He had twenty-one games. He technically had four games with a grade better than a C because three of them were C pluses. Okay, I was thinking like B or above, but I see. His best game was week 17 against Kansas City when he had a B minus. Like Super Bowl, F. Conference championship against Kansas City, C. And he threw two pickables. He looked pretty goddamn terrible in the first half. Tennessee divisional round, a game they won f wild card against oakland or not oakland vegas c in all of these games every single game in these playoffs except for kansas city he had significantly more negative plays than positive kansas city he had one more positive play than negative play not ideal the the man is not good simply put he's not necessarily bad but he is not good by any stretch of the imagination. And his average performance grade was a 1.37, which is good for a C minus D plus. Now, obviously I gave him a higher grade than his average, just because I'm probably being enacted upon by the hype, but there is seriously nothing special going on with this guy. Yeah. I know that I, I definitely bought in a little bit to like the, the it factor, the poise type side, because when I watch him, I go, okay, he doesn't have like an incredibly strong arm. He does throw a lot of pickables. He runs around. He, take sack but I mean through those playoffs I did give him a lot of credit that it was like crunch time plays where he made stuff happen and, and those felt- are so hard to quantify for him uh, yes and it does it feels like he knows what he's doing you get a sense of calm when you watch him like it doesn't feel panic but like he's doing dumb shit I, it, it is confounding but remember how confident we were about him sucking a year ago and how nobody really thought he was special a year ago you know he was one lucky year rides a magic carpet to the Super Bowl where he gets done and now we're throwing flowers at his feet. He is what he always was, which is an average starting quarterback at best. He'll be, he's fine. And, and even still, 
we're talking all these negatives. He played terrible in a lot of ways last year, and still he was fine. He's a starter. Yeah. You, you don't like, need to replace him, but you probably should at some point. Exactly. Like you're you're good rolling with him and going, okay, well, how can we make the team as good as possible around? You can't do the Tom Brady thing of like, all right, well, we got Tom, so we can just put shitters at wide receiver and be okay. Spend all our money on defense. You can't quite do that with Joe. That you gotta you gotta spend money on the offensive side. You gotta help him out. But he can do he can win games for you. We we've seen it. Yeah. But I feel like that wraps us up on Burrow. I think so. All right. Who do we have at number 17? Uh, if if Burrow is swaggy Kirk Cousins, then 17 is regular Kirk Cousins. <laughs> uh, Kirk Cousins is a fucking real frustrating dude to watch play football. Kirk Cousins actually has slightly better arm talent, dare I say, than Joe Burrow. Like he's, I said Joe Burrow as if they were Kirk and Joe Burrow. I, they play very similar games. Kirk Cousins has like C plus B minus arm strength. It's just enough. And he is a classic case of, yeah, this is our starting quarterback and he's a starting quarterback, but like, I kind of wish we had something better. That's why the Redskins strung him along and ditched him. It's why the Vikings are currently in the process of stringing him along until they can ditch him. Have been for like the last two years. Even though they sneaky. gave him a contract. <laughs> yeah, they gave him a contract, but sneaky trade theory? Kirk Cousins for Baker Mayfield, one for one swap, one year rental on both parties. I'm just saying it, it, it works on too many levels. It works on too I, many levels. Yeah, if if Deshaun gets suspended for the year and they have all that money, because the, the issue with the Kirk trade when this it, it was first getting floated was that the Browns wouldn't have the money to do it but they carved out a big old chunk for Deshaun so if they don't have it they it could work and who knows maybe Quessy likes uh likes Baker he's been with the Browns the last few years a guy can dream um yeah, I mean it'll never happen but no so I've only graded four of Kirk Cousins games from last year which is not enough for a significant sample however I feel like he's been the same man for three or four years I have a really good read on who he is yeah we've we've seen a lot of Kirk Cousins game the last few years yeah and it's consistently <laughs> it's it's a little more disappointing than you think it's going to be. You come in thinking this is going to be perfectly average, and it's always like a little bit less than that. But he doesn't necessarily limit your offense, and he's not necessarily going to turn the ball over a lot. He's going to be fine. He'll operate your offense. Not not, not necessarily even well, but he will operate it, and he looks like a person who knows how to play quarterback. He's the epitome of average in almost every way, except for charisma, in which case he is a giant and if you want to flip-flop Joe Burrow and Kirk Cousins, I have no fucking problem with that whatsoever. Go ahead. I think they're incredibly similar. Yeah, if, if you, like, Joe Burrow clearly puts the ball in harm's way more often, but if you think that you need that for the explosive factor and, like, getting that extra, how whatever percentage, 10% more aggressive plays is worth it, I can't argue with that. That's how I roll, so go ahead. Yeah, I think that's exactly the difference between the two of them is, you know, Kirk doesn't, he just doesn't have the aggressiveness to him, so he He's not going to turn the ball over as much, but I think it hurts him. You know, it's the classic Kirk Cousins thing of when you get into the clutch situations at the end of games, it's when he does turn the ball over and he panics. And it's always been the thing that people laugh at him about is, you know, his primetime games and his clutch situations, he just falls apart. Whereas Joe Burrow is kind of the opposite where he will play like kind of okay, but then there will be some late game play that he actually pulls out. And I think he just has that, that calmness that does help him where Kirk falls apart. 
absolutely. And I, like, I think that it's worth noting that, yeah, Joe Burrow doesn't have a strong arm. He's not exactly a deep ball merchant, but he does have the balls to just throw it up. And there's something to that. Whereas Kirk Cousins has in the four games I graded from 2021 of him, he, he had one elite throw. Like he doesn't even try them. And, and frankly, when he does try them, it doesn't look great. Because he doesn't have a uh, he, he doesn't have an impressive skill set in any way, and he's not yeah, particularly. Also, he just doesn't do it. Like yeah. if you don't throw deep balls, you're not going to be good at deep balls. He's we know exactly what Kirk Cousins is. He throws a lot of arm punts. He throws a lot of checkdowns. He'll operate your offense. He's kind of exactly what Kevin Stefanski dreams about at night. He's nothing. I mean, like if if you put him in a bucket with Joe Burrow and Andy Dalton and the next guy on the list, they kind of all feel the same, which is just enough very replacement starter level, a little more disappointing than you kind of imagine even. And I just don't have much else to say about Kirk Cousins. Frankly, I want to move on. Yeah, I I feel like at this point in his career, we know what he is. He hasn't changed at all, really, um, since like he started to blow up in Washington a little bit. I'm good with moving on. He's he's a quarterback you can win some games with. You'll also lose some games with him. Yeah. All right. Well, to finish out the C pluses, who do we have at number 16? Number 16 is the king of replacement level quarterbacking himself. He's Dak Prescott. Ah, the Dak line. The Dak line is famously the designation. So like in baseball, there's the Mendoza line. If you're hitting under 200, it's just like untenable. In I mean, football, people had the, the, the Dalton line thing for the precursor to our Dak. The Dalton line and the Dak line are interchangeable in my mind. Um, the Dak line is... So I, I do a thing called slugging. I It's basically I assign point values to every kind of play that I chart and I chart all the plays and then I put it like the algorithm runs an analysis and spits out the slugging score, right? And if you get a zero on the dot, I call it dacking. That is the DAC line, zero. A zero is a C. It is perfectly average. All you did was exactly as expected of you. You helped your team none. You hurt your team none. You simply existed. You were a conduit for the team's existence. And that's what Dak did his first few years. Like that 13-3 and year, his job was to hand the ball to Zeke and hit a check down. Well, Dak has uh, done the same shit, Jenner. Granted, uh, in the eight games I graded of Dak last year, year, it, it was a little worse than the Dak line. Dare I say, Dak failed even to Dak. Failed Dak yeah, and when you've got four, like, legitimate starting wide receivers in CeeDee Lamb, uh, the disc sheep, Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson, and I mean, Blake Jarwin was a good tight end, but who's their fourth receiver? Oh, Michael Gallup! Duh! Yeah, like, seriously. Four legit starting receivers and a good tight end. And, like, whatever's left of Ezekiel Elliott and a solid offensive line and don't look now, but Pollard who's better than Zeke. Does that say Pollard? Exactly. So like, we're not, Dak is not wanting for weapon. And then he's also got Kellen Moore, who people who know what the hell they're talking about unanimously agree. Kellen Moore could call some plays now. Yeah, he's one of the best offensive coordinators. I think we're a little high on him, but like he's top 10. He's certainly top half of the league, no matter what. I think he's top 10. Yeah. And I think as far as guys that aren't head coaches, like, cause you know, the Andy Reid, like I don't really count their offense coordinator or Sean McVay. Like I don't really, you know. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, But as far as purely offense coordinators that just call the game and aren't given a head coaching job. Yeah, he's right up there. Yeah. So he's in a situation that's killer. He's playing against bad teams in the Giants 
and the Eagles. Yeah, Mid playoffs. Yeah, playoff Eagles. Go Birds. And what was left of the Redskins defense by the end of the year, which is not much. Like it's not like Dak is 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 going up against Fort Knox ever. It's not the AFC North, and he's not producing particularly well. And his his production was okay, but his performances were bad. Like eight games, we're talking extremely mediocre accuracy percentage of seventy point eight three, very low positive play percentage of twenty two, a lot of negative plays at thirty one. You know, Dak of course is a, a, a real fucking slut for those pedestrian throws. Just the checkdowns get him going, and not the offense. And he tr- he put the ball in harm's way again. 20, 20 turnover worthy plays on three hundred and eighty snaps graded. That's like Burrow levels, man. That's a lot. He there is no redemption, and he was a little bit more aggressive this past year than he had been in prior years. But he's still wildly conservative. I don't. I I I don't know. I'm starting to even wonder if Dak meets the Dak line. I think recently he has been playing worse than even like the the very average Dak we came to know. And I think that's why we've seen kind of the public opinion shift on him because I don't know if he was ever in that like elite level, but people were very high on him for a while. I can tell you for a fact that this time last year, no bullshit, many people who generally know a little bit of what they're talking about regarded him as a top five quarterback. See, I feel like with the emergence of Mahomes and some of the young guys that they were starting to put Herbert and Burrow up there already. But I feel they like Dak has kind of been close to 10. This time, la- this time last year, Herbert and Burrow were not in that conversation. And Allen was iffy because he'd only done it one year. And people thought Brady was going to fall off because they always do. So people were legitimately talking about Dak Prescott in the three to eight range consistently. You know, some people I, got him- I always thought he was closer to 10 in conversations, but I wouldn't be shocked. The delusion of NFL fans never, never surprises. His, his EPA per play was also really high in the first couple games in 2020 and people love EPA even though it's literally just it's just yard EPA is literally just yards it's almost all it is it's slightly adjusted yards but it's just yards so Dak's perception has fallen back towards what it belongs at everybody kind of knows he's a middling quarterback and probably not worth the contract he was given and probably the weakest link on that team I would agree like the offensive line is regressed but it's still solid the weapons last year were fucking insane. The offensive coordinator is going to be head coaching somewhere soon. I know it's like super sick online to just rip Mike McCarthy, but first of all, he's not calling the offense. And second of all, I don't think that his play, his, I don't think that he was a net negative really on the Cowboys. I think he was fine. Yeah. And the days of him being like a good NFL coach that you like to have are gone, but he's still a son. Yeah. And like part of his appeal in, you know, in Green Bay was that he called plays and he did it pretty well. And I think that's gone. And I think the plays he used to call or kind of, you know, he ran a little bit of an Adam Gase short pass offense. And I think that's gone. I don't think that that's very effective anymore, but he's got Kellen Moore. So that doesn't, we're not talking about Cowboys coaching. We're talking about Dak. Everything around Dak was solid at the least. And the Cowboys were not solid. And there's a reason for that. It's Dak Prescott. He fumbled a lot. Uh, Look no further than that Cardinals game week 17. If Dak Prescott just like can stop putting the ball on the ground for a minute, they win that game. And things look a lot different in the NFC playoff picture. Like Dak, Dak was a problem. Dak was bad. And, and so like this is where it's the C plus quarterbacks are frustrating because you watch them and you want to say that's bad because it's not good. It's certainly not good. But then you watch the guys who are really bad, like everybody we talked about the last two weeks, the Tua's and the Daniel Joneses and the Zach Wilson. And you're like, okay, no, that is bad. That's really bad. The Mac Joneses, like there's no hope here. There's hope for the Cowboys. Like did Dak Prescott suck against the Cardinals? Yes. Was he completely fucking worthless against the 49ers in the playoffs? 
lost, yes. He should have beat him. That was another terrible game. But, you know, he was mediocre enough against Tampa Bay. Game of C. He had a couple games sprinkled in there where he had big statistical days. Like, his game against New England, it was another C, but statistically, production-wise, it looked pretty. If you put a lot of guys in the same offense, if you put a Mac Jones in the same offense, I don't think it looks as nice. Because Dak does have a B arm as far as arm strength goes. He is a fairly accurate B minus accuracy, B minus precision quarterback. He makes dumb decisions. He does. His pocket awareness, not very good. He can run a little bit, though he never does. He's, there's a lot more to be desired, but he's certainly not terrible. As yeah, much as he, we, we want to say it, we want to say the same reason we want to say Kirk Cousins sucks, but like they don't quite suck. Yeah, I feel like Dak, we've always talked about Dak as a guy that he's going to win you two games a year. He's going to lose you two games a year. And then every other game, he's just going to be a, uh, you already touched on it, but just a record representation of the talent on your team. Like, yeah, tofu. Exactly. So he's solid. He's not going to lose you games. He's going to put you in position to win a lot of games, but he's not going to be the one doing the Yeah, and and like so I if, I think if you want I think the reason that I have the instinct to say fuck deck this guy sucks and same with Kirk Cousins is because they're being paid so much. And if you if you take out the contracts because contracts don't really matter, they have almost nothing to do with what we do. Like we shouldn't even care about them at all. Take all the cap hit, take all the value, all that bullshit, throw it out the window. Does Dak Prescott make your team better? No. Does he make your team worse? No. Dak Prescott exists. He fills your roster spot. He reflects what you have around him. And if you ever play a good quarterback, you're probably going to lose. And it's just that simple. Like anytime the Cowboys play a good quarterback, bet against the Cowboys, they will lose. They will not beat a good quarterback because they win a lot of games against bad quarterbacks. Yeah. And they're going to be consistently good against bad teams. Like they're going to beat, well, no, because, okay, here's a hot question. Where does Dak Prescott rank amongst the quarterbacks in his own division? Um, and you can only do starters, so Sam Howell cannot be quarterback one, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I, I wasn't. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I mean, he's at worst number two. See, I think he could be. Th- I think he could be three. I think Daniel Jones could surpass him. It's a projection, but it's a pretty high projection, and I'm not going to say that until Daniel Jones shows me that. This is fair. Um, and I mean, hell, he might even be one because I like Wentz, but Wentz is also he's a little bit of the opposite of Dak where Wentz is going to do some exciting stuff. I know he was a check down King last year in Indy, but he's going to make some plays for you because he does try and play hero ball, but he's going to lose you some games like he did for Indy at the end of last year. Totally. So I don't know. I mean, it's just like, what kind of player do you want? It probably depends on what team I have. If I have a team that I need that I don't really have a lot of talent, I'd probably take Wentz because fuck it. Maybe he can do something for me. If the team's solid though, I'd probably do Dak because he can let the players shine. Um, I don't think I have too much more to say about Dak, but I do want to bring up. I don't. I don't like stats. I, I hate stats. In fact, I think they're almost worthless. I have no use for them because I do end up scouting all of the games. So, like, what the hell is the point? Why take the shortcut when you could take the long cut? Right? Cuts. Yeah, long cuts. Like, why? Why summarize the book when you have the time to read the book? I'm gonna watch all the film. That's reading the book. I don't need the cliff notes. I'm gonna write the cliff notes. So, I typically don't value QBR. It's mostly just EPA, and EPA is mostly just yards and yards mean nothing it's wild how we've created all these complicated stats that are just yards they're just yards like epa is literally just a measure of how much more likely it is you score points on this drive than it was last play and the likelihood of scoring points on a drive is almost entirely how close you are to the end zone which means we've just abstracted measuring yards into a slightly more complex metric and then qbr takes epa 
adds in a couple of other variables and abstracts EPA further. So it's literally just like you take, it's like, it's like crack. Yards are cocaine. EPA is crack. QBR is like fucking real cheap crack. It keeps getting stepped on. <laughs> exactly. But sometimes you can get real high off of even the most stepped upon crack, which is why I would like to, I wouldn't know from personal experience, I'm not a crackhead. I am going to get so many fucking tweets saying we knew you were on crack. That's why you think Tua sucks. Expect us. Tua not. Um, see, I was no. curious to see how the analogy wrapped up. So stats mean almost nothing. But sometimes it's nice when they, they kind of meet up with what you expect. QBR rankings last year, 15. And remember that not everybody ranks for QBR. Like not everybody has enough plays to qualify. So number 15, which is a little below average, roughly average, is Kirk Cousins at 52.3. Skip a few up. Number 12 is Joe Burrow at 54.3. But I thought he was a top five quarterback. Number 11, right next to Joe Burrow, is Dak Prescott at 54.3. Identical QBRs. And right next to them is Jimmy Garoppolo at 53.3. So, like, it's pretty evident that uh, their production's not what's booing them. Booing them. Like, they shouldn't be ranked highly because they're producing at such a rate. And I've watched all the film, or at least substantially all of the film. And that's not what's buoying them. And frankly, as far as Dak goes, he's the most boring individual on earth. So what the fuck? I don't know. He, but, oh, he plays for America's team. Play for America's team. And those goddamn Cowboys fans will just about hype anything that wears silver and blue. And Joe Burrow has really cool sunglasses and a Heisman trophy. And when he's on Pardon My Take, I laugh. Cigar and in, in his path. So... Yeah, it, fuck it. Make him five. He's five. He's... Uh, I mean, I, I'm sold. I would like to drink like four Natty Lights with him. And therefore, he's probably the best quarterback. Like, again, QBR... Not a great metric, but a metric that people respect. And that metric that people respect is telling you something very similar to what I just told you by watching way too many fucking snaps of these quarterbacks who I don't care about. I don't want to put too much into QBR and set a precedent here because I don't trust QBR and they might next season have... Oh, I don't I don't trust QBR for dick because Ryan Fitzpatrick and Mitch Trubisky were in the top five within the last four years. <laughs> Yeah, so useless stat. But at least in this case, it backs up what you're seeing. I mean, hell, Carson Wentz ranked ninth last year. It's too high. Maybe. We'll see. You got you to gotta tune in for the B and B minus quarterbacks to know that shit next week. Or maybe we skip next week because 4th of July. I don't fucking know. We'll figure it out. What I do know is when you hear Joe Burrow 18 and you hear Dak Prescott 16 and you freak the fuck out, take a step back and realize that the stats don't think I'm that crazy. And I can't be that wrong, dude, because I just keep on winning all these fucking bets. So I think that we could close this one out saying, have a little fucking faith. Give me a little bit of fucking credit. I'm not sitting here with my thumb in my ass while I watch these plays. Frankly, that kind of stimulation, would, that kind of stimulation would upset the facial reconstruction that I've underwent recently. And I would, it would cave in and I can't take opioids for my fucking surgery because they don't work on me. So I'm not high. You got nothing to stand on. I'm just bored. Don't be bored. Don't hate. If you disagree, do one thing. And that's please bet on football games. Till next time. Hasta. 